You're listening to the Biz Women Rock Podcast. Woo! Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock Podcast. I could not be more excited that you're here today. Uh, We are featuring an amazing interview with Lee Carraher, who is going to talk about her business. We'll get to that here soon. Um, But this is where you're going to be able to hear some very authentic stories from businesswomen in all sorts of different industries, literally from all over the globe, Uh, because my job is to make sure you have access to these stories so you can not only pick up some really great tools and tips for your own business, but also be inspired and understand that there are other women with you along on this journey called entrepreneurship. So welcome. If you want to find out more about the show and you want to get more involved in the entire Biz Women Rock community, please go to bizwomenrock.com. Go opt in and you'll get everything there. So this is a very special week because it is the week of International Women's Day, which happens on Tuesday, March 8th. And we at Biz Women Rock are going to be doing something a little special because let's be honest, we love women and uh, we want to celebrate them and be part of the celebration on Tuesday. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to be hashtagging Biz Women Rock. So hashtag Biz Women Rock all over your social media, whatever social media that you love being on or all of them, I don't care, every single one that you love being on, go hashtag bizwomenrock and then add separately the word because and tell us why you think bizwomenrock. And, um, you know, there's about like 8,000 of these reasons that I can think of off the top of my head. <laughs> and I'm sure you have plenty to say for yourself. So um, you are welcome if you want to come up with these ideas right now and then schedule them into your social media stuff that's going out on uh, on Tuesday. You're welcome to do that. You can do a video. You can do, you know, take snapshots of, uh, of a little picture maybe that you're holding up of why you think Biz Women Rock, whatever. You could just write it in and have the text there. Whatever it is, we are going to be uh, keeping track and watching all of the hashtags Uh, that are coming up throughout the day. And I would love to see why you think biz women rock. So remember, hashtag biz women rock because, and then let us know why, whether it's one reason or whether it's a thousand reasons that you give us all throughout the day, okay? I cannot wait to celebrate this great day with you. Okay, quick little personal story before we get into today's interview that I thought that you would really appreciate. So my husband and I always do surprise dates for each other. We've been doing this ever since we were friends. We didn't call them dates at that time, but uh, we're both explorers by nature. And so we got in the habit very early on of like, okay, hey, reserve Sunday and I'm going to take you somewhere. So we call those surprise dates and we do those often. Uh, we, ha- we haven't done one for quite some time. And my husband told me, hey, on Sunday, I'm taking you on a surprise date. So we, uh, he took me to, and Sedona was with us, he took us to uh, Whedon Island, which is this cool little kind of nature preserve close to us. And lo and behold, when we showed up, our good friends, Neil and Noemi and their daughter, Tally, were there, which of course I was like, okay, I know that that's not a coincidence. <laughs> so we just kind of walked around the park. It was really beautiful. And there's this area where there's like this kind of three-story tower And it's great because you could see everywhere. Like you can see 
downtown Tampa, downtown St. Pete. You could see like all the the bay. It's so beautiful. And we're there and all of a sudden um, he kind of looks at me and he's smiling and he's kissing me and he gets down on one knee and he pulls out a ring and he asks me to be his wife again and he opens up the box and it's this gorgeous, gorgeous ring with like the Greek key symbol on it. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, as you may have noticed from my last name, my husband is Greek. Very, very, very Greek. <laughs> and, um, and he has the Greek key on his wedding ring. And just as a little side note, so I never had like, we never had like a real ring for me. It was just the ring that he gave me when we got engaged. And it was this beautiful, but like, you know, kind of, um, we got it at a Greek festival. It was like this $15 ring, this silver, I shouldn't say we, he got it and surprised me with it. And it was beautiful and it's so meaningful, but it's this little silver, you know, ring. And I broke it last year. Um, because I'm hardcore on my jewelry. And um, and so I just haven't had a ring. And and uh, so unbeknownst to me, he reached out to one of our friends who owns a jewelry store and had our friend totally custom make this ring for me because he knows how much I love his ring. And um, it's beautiful. It has our initials inside of it. It has our anniversary. It has Sedona's birth date on it. And it just was so beautiful. So back into this moment of him proposing to me again, our friend Noemi is a notary and she actually like, like we legally renewed our vows. Like how cool is that? We're coming up on four years, uh, married in seven years to, uh, it will be eight years, eight years together. No, seven years together. I think, <laughs> I think, oops. And, um, uh, we're coming up on our four year wedding anniversary. And this was like, this was just the coolest thing ever. It was so incredibly sweet. So thoughtful. Um, and it was just so special to have two of our best friends there, uh, our daughter there, and the, just the whole scenery was amazing. It was right at sunset. So I just wanted to share that with you. Like, I just I just got married again. <laughs> I thought you would appreciate that. Um, so I'm sitting here with my new little ring, kind of flashing it everywhere. It's quite nice. Anyway, uh, thought I'd share that with you just for a fun little story. Okay, so now you know I'm totally giddy. Let's get into the interview for today, okay? Lee Carraher is my guest today, and boy, oh boy, is she spunky. <laughs> I had so much fun in this conversation with her. She was absolutely fabulous. So she has run a company for the past 13 years called Double Forte. It is a public relations and marketing company. And what she does is she helps companies uh, really come up with a very uh, holistic campaign on how they're going to find and connect with their ideal audience. Uh, so whether that's within social media, whether, whether that's any traditional marketing events, I mean, every sort of really cool creative thing that you could possibly think of. Um, in addition to that, she recently in 2014, um, launched her book Millennials and Management. And so she happens to be, uh, kind of an accidental expert on, kind of the positive side of millennials and wrote a book about it and is speaking about it and is giving workshops about it. Um, so that's those are all the logistics. Here is the fun stuff that happened in this interview. We really went into pretty significant depth on what she did before she started her company in order to set it up for success, which I thought was brilliant. Um, we, she, uh, her company has, uh, 33 employees, by the way, and they're, they have three different offices. 
very significant company. And um, and so we go into leadership. How is she making sure to lead everyone and, and direct everyone in the right way? And she's got brilliant, brilliant nuggets about that one. And then finally, we go into why she wrote this book, why she's starting this entire new brand and business, what that means for her, not only as a businesswoman, but as an individual uh, and what her big plans are for that. And ultimately, holy cow, the major nugget that you will just hear throughout all of this is how being focused and having a plan, even though it may change all the time, um, and taking care of yourself is the foundation to who she is and why she's had so much success and why she just continues to really love what she does. So it's an amazing conversation. So let's get started with Lee. Lee, what's going on, girl? Thanks so much for being on the show. So awesome to be with you, Katie. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> Me too. Uh, we had to finally press record because I think you and I could have just chatted about whatever for quite some time. <laughs> I know. It's a, it's a curse. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. I always love, like, like there's always this time. So, so everyone knows there's always like a couple of minutes that I spend with all of my guests before we kind of officially go into the show. And it's a great opportunity to kind of create rapport and it's awesome and Everyone's a little bit different, but there are those people, and I'm going to say you're one of these, that like immediately you're like, what's up, girl? <laughs> and that's how I felt yeah. with you. I was like, immediately, hey, awesome. what's going on? <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> Do you have a drink? Do you have five hours? I'm happy to talk. <laughs> this might be a five-part interview, ladies. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, um, thank you so much for being here. I am so super excited to be able to share uh, with the Biz Women Rock community about you and most importantly about your whole business journey that you've had that I think is chock full of wisdom and um, ups and downs and all that fun stuff that I think everyone's really going to be able to take away from. So um, I really want to start in kind of the entrepreneurial position that you had I know you had spent a lot of time kind of creating companies under um, a different banner, but uh, Double Forte was the first company that you really, that was yours. Can you talk a little mm -hmm. bit about kind of that time in your life and what what was it that allowed you to kind of take all of your past experience and now say, I'm going to start this company? Sure. Um, I hope, well, I wish that it was going to be like a real inspirational story of, I knew I was going to do this and I did, but it wasn't. <laughs> but... But I'll tell you what happened, because I think I'm an entrepreneur by accident, and I would never go back. Um, in 2001, I was working for a very large, uh, multinational, multi-billion dollar um, holding company, media holding company. And um, I was uh, pretty high up there, you know, and the company was very, very generous to me. Um, and then 9-11 happened. And 9-11 uh, happened one week after I came home from New York. Wow. And I had two young children, and I had 13 offices in my company and about, I don't know, 500, 600 people in it. Um, and I was traveling. At that time, I had already traveled 150,000 miles that year. And I had these two young kids and 9-11, and I that could have been me. And I decided right then that I was not going to uh, keep doing the what I was doing, and that I was going to exercise my contract and get out and figure out what else there was in life because I, I didn't see a way to get off the hamster trail really with, um, with my job. So I exercised my contract and took a while to unwind it, of course. And I, my intention was to, um, take a whole year off. And, um, the short story is about three months later, my husband looked at me and said, you have got to go back to work. <laughs> Your wife can be crazy. 
Why That's do you hilarious. need four glue guns? You're flower arranging. You're color coded all the closets. You, there's something wrong. You do not belong at home, which frankly is true. Um, and the final moment was I had created, you know, I was going to yoga every day. I was, my younger son has special needs. We were just figuring that out. And I was spending about five hours a day trying to figure out what was going on with my, my younger son, who was about one one when I left my last job mm-hmm. and um but you know five hours a day doing that and two hours going to yoga you still got a lot of time on your hands right yeah, and yeah. so my house was pristine oh my god you <laughs> eat off any surface which <laughs> should have been my first clue that something was wrong but um the last straw was when I created a laundry system to eradicate single sock syndrome oh and, my god which is what I called it <laughs> I mean, I actually had a whole thing. I diagrammed it. And uh, like two weeks after I did this, I found a single sock where it didn't belong. And I basically had a mommy dearest moment. And I said, what is a single sock doing here? And my husband just looked at me like, you're going back to work today. You are not taking a year off. We can't. We won't live through it. So that is actually the truth. That is and, hilarious. Um, that is oh really, my it's God. Like, it's, like, it's like the domestic uh, meltdown brings you back in oh, like the entrepreneurial back push. <laughs> well, and then I was not going to do this PR thing anymore because I really hadn't liked what I was doing previously, but I made so much money at it. And, um, you know, I, it was, you had those golden handcuffs and you sort of figure you can't do anything else. Right. So I was going to do something else. I was going to go into uh, back into a company and have this function in the company. But then my and I was well on my way to deciding between uh, two companies that really wanted me to come in. Uh, but then my mother, I lived in San Francisco. My mother, um, who lived in Wisconsin, got ill and was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer with four months to live. Mm-hmm. And I was just going to go be with her. And so I pulled myself out of the jobs that I was in for because there's no possible way I could have been in San Francisco and being in Wisconsin with my mom. Um, and I just said, okay, well, I'm going to be with my mother because you don't ever get that time back. Right. Um, and in the end, my mom ended up living almost four years, which wow. was a huge. Um, and then it became very clear uh, of my sisters, and I have two sisters, uh, all over the ones in Chicago, ones in Boston, and I'm in San Francisco. But I'm the one who has the most flexibility and the most, uh, at that time, had the most flexibility and the most earning, p- earning potential with flexibility. So it was very clear that I was going to have to um, do something else than go back in-house to a job. Um, and so uh, how was I going to, I'm the breadwinner in our house. We call me the chief bacon officer. My husband is the chief home officer. I like that. <laughs> um, you know, he works 10 to 20 hours a week in a, in a job that is sort of like a social worker for special needs families. Okay. But he's really in charge of the house and getting our kids, you know, where they need to be, cool. when it be there and coordinating uh, and coordinating all that stuff. So um, it was very clear that I needed a job that provided me flexibility so I could work wherever I wanted to work. And um, so that was going to be starting a new agency. Um, So it was really out of necessity that I started this firm, Double Forte. I started with my friend, uh, Dan, um, who I have since bought out and he's gone on to much bigger things um, that were aligned with what he wanted to do for his career. And we sort of looked at each other and said, well, we don't want to go back into the hell that we just came from. Right. Let's create something new. Let's create something different that we actually enjoy. Because if you have to go through 
what is very, you know, owning a business and being responsible for people's mortgages, I mean, there's nothing simple about that. If we're going to do that, let's do it under our own rules. So we spent about um, a month thinking about um, what were our own rules going to be. And those rules were that we wanted to be interested in the work. We didn't want to work with jerks. And um, and we didn't care. We didn't want to be owned by anybody else because when you're owned by somebody else in the service business, you really don't get to make your decisions. Your your decisions are made for you based on what uh, the home company has to deliver to their investors. So um, so we started, and that's really how we got off the ground, sort of out of necessity with our own set of rules. Um, and me, for the first four years of this company, I was in Wisconsin uh, about. 26 to 27 weeks of each of those years wow. uh, and sort of um, working in t- two different time zones back and forth um, all the time and sort of getting it off the ground that way. Can yeah. You take this time to do just a super simple explanation as to what Double Forte is, what services you offer, what your specialties are. Sure. So Double Forte is a public relations and digital marketing firm. We work with um, food companies, sports companies, um, video game companies, online services for consumers and for businesses, companies, to help them find and engage with the consumers and customers that matter to them. Um, So we might do uh, media relations campaigns or influencer relations with um, uh, Twitter followers, that kind of thing, to get um, companies to be on the aware, drive awareness and drive engagement and purchase uh, from consumers. Gotcha. And we work with companies here in San Francisco, and then we have offices in New York and Boston as well. Well, and I, I really kind of want to jump ahead so I can go back in and, and dig into some of these questions, but kind of to give a, a staple version now, that was almost 13 years ago that you decided to start. Now, all these years later, you have 33 different employees. You, As you mentioned, you have three different offices. You're significantly decent-sized business. And, mm-hmm. th- I mean, it just, from starting out with, like, hey, let's kind of do this, and this is, you know, kind of our skill set, and let's keep doing it. How, what were some of the major lessons that you learned and how to go and find the right client for you? I mean, you guys are providing these services for them to be able to find their right client and their right audience, but what, what has worked best for you to help you find your best client? Absolutely. So we have four rules of, of finding clients. One rule is that somebody other than myself has to be interested in the business because <laughs> I just think you do better work when you're interested in it. Right. Um, and I'm interested in everything. You know, I'm looking at his desk now, right now, there's like a rubber band here. I'm sure we could do fabulous things with rubber band. And my <laughs> staff would look at me like you're crazy, Lee. So I don't ever go anywhere by myself. But someone, whoever's going to run the business is going to be interested in the business. And mm-hmm. there's lots of reasons to be interested in something, right? Two, we're going to be a good fit because it's just a good business. Just That's just good business. Be good for the companies you're working with. Don't try to put a, a you know a round peg in a square hole. Right. Three, you have to pay us because we like to eat. Right. And four, no jerks, right? So we, we came up with those rules very early on. Um and those are, re- and we also came up with a rule. We didn't really want to do any crisis work. We have done. Uh, my p- business partner at the time and I had done so much crisis work in our careers. Crisis doesn't happen at Monday at ten o'clock. You know, no one f- rings the phone. Hey, the crisis just happened at Monday. No, crisis happens around Friday, around four thirty p.m. Yeah. while you're trying to rack it up. And it's going to take and, you all weekend to handle it. <laughs> oh, exactly. And at that time, so it was thirteen years ago. You know, I had young kids. I'm like, I don't want to live that way anymore because I had just been live. I had just lived that way for about four years. So we, 
purposely said we were not a crisis firm. That has changed. Uh, <laughs> you know, we didn't offer social media services when we started because there was no such thing as right. social media services, right? right? So our business has totally changed. But um, we um, made the conditions on like where, so a lot of people start businesses because they want to have an income and they want to do something they like to do. Um, and we turned those ideas into currencies. Like what were the currencies that mattered to us the most? Like what were we willing to give up money for? Or what kind of money was the best kind of money? Because there's good money and there's bad money, right? Mm -hmm. And so we sort of made this list of good money and bad money. And then what the currencies were that were going to matter to us. So, yes, we had to pay the mortgage and, you know, pay for food and put shoes on kids' feet. But, um, you know, I definitely did not make anywhere near my, my at my last job for many years mm -hmm. into the beginning of the company. But I had such a better life, even though I was starting a company, that I was so much happier um, that it was worth it to me. So we sort of, together, we decided what were the currencies that mattered to us, where we were going to draw the line, what would, you know, and you, you just tried to really to stick to it over the long haul. Um, and for the most part, probably 90, I would say 95% of the time, we've been able to stick to those principles, even as we've grown, because and every time you grow a person, you know, you grow a responsibility. Mm -hmm. um, but we grow people because they're interested in being within, in our ecosystem, where we don't, where it's not just about how, much, how many dollars you're bringing in. So, uh, but fill in the gap between, because I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, so maybe there's somebody listening who is sort of, they're providing these great services, but they're sort of taking every client, every and all client who's interested because they feel like even though their work might be, even though they might create that list of like, who's my ideal client, mm -hmm. but it might be somebody who they feel like, oh, that's somebody who's going to have a $5,000 a month budget for X service, mm -hmm. right? How do I find that person? Like, it sounds like you kind of created this, this is the person who's going to have the budget for us and be this mm -hmm. kind of personality. But once you figured that out, what was your steps to actually go get that person <laughs> and not and not just deal with like all the crises people that need you last right. minute and will pay you, but will sometimes pay you after 90 days, sometimes pay you right. like half, half, half now, half later, um, and end up becoming you know, that, yeah. that portion of your clientele that's very, very difficult to work with and makes it even harder to go find your ideal client. How did you manage yeah. that? So we managed it in two ways. One is we set up conditions for work that, where we would not be left hang holding the bag. So all of our clients give us a deposit against the last 60 days of their work. Huh. Um, or we don't work with them. And that's just, we just make that line. You don't give us deposit, then you, you know, if you can't afford to give us a deposit, then I don't trust you'll be able to afford to pay us in 30 days. Got it. So number one, um, what are, and there are other conditions like that. You can't recruit our people without it costing you. It takes a lot for us to find people. We won't recruit right. yours. You don't recruit ours. So we just made those, you know, okay. conditions. We had a runway. Like I had, um, because my husband made me go back to work much earlier than I thought I was going to. <laughs> you you I had still a, had more money left. <laughs> I had some more money left. So I had a bit of a runway to use. So we didn't have to take everything. And then I, it was 2002. So in San Francisco, big, you know, it was like the crater had just happened. Um, you know, 80,000 people left the San Francisco Bay Area. 80,000 professionals left the San Francisco Bay Area between 2001 and 2002. Really? Because there was not enough work after the dot-com boom uh, oh, crash, wow. you know, the bubble burst and everybody lost their jobs. Mm -hmm. So um, we were in a relatively good position to start a new firm that didn't have to have high minimums, right? Right. Um, and we made a list of 
this sounds so dumb. We made a list of the people we really wanted to work with again. And we made three lists, people we would really, really wanted to work with again, people we, we would like to work, to get, work together again with if they had something interesting going on. Mm-hmm. And then the last list was people we would never work with ever again. <laughs> and that, those three lists, the first list was the much smaller list, right? The middle list was the largest list. And then the, um, the, la- the last list was sort of in between the two. And for different reasons, we didn't want to work with people. And um, we focused, we niched and down and we focused on the people that we knew would hire us without asking, mm-hmm. <laughs> would be our advocates because we had been such good business part- partners with them in the past. Right. And it was really 11 people. And uh, we just uh, basically made them sure that they knew we were around and we asked for their help. Um, we were not shy about asking for help, mm-hmm. asking for introductions. Who do you know? Who can you introduce us to? Mm-hmm. And today, 13 years later, almost um, all of our clients, uh, and we've had a lot of clients, you know, we're in Silicon Valley. There's a lot of startups that don't make it, right? Had a lot of clients, and almost all of them can be traced back to about 15 people wow. um, from those first two lists um, in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty amazing. And what you have to do is not, you know, the first time you cave, right? The first time you, you know, oh, it, our minimum is actually $15,000 a month. So the first time you take a $5,000 account on because you want that we didn't start at $15,000, but now we are, right? right? But the first time you say, well, our minimum at we, when we started was 5K. And the first time you take a $2,000 account on, right, because you're trying to get off the ground, well, you can't really get anything done on two thousand dollars a month. Right. You really have to do five thousand dollars worth of work to do to actually service a two hundred two thousand dollar account. So you're giving you're giving so much value away, that, and and then you build the expectation for that giveaway, and you can. It's very hard to claw back from that. So even when in two thousand eight, when the market crashed, right? We had eighteen people at that time. Um, it was just a dark day. Um, we did not. We lowered our minimum, but we didn't lower the service uh, hours thing okay. because um, clawing back from that is v- so difficult. Wow. Uh, so, so difficult. That's a really good point. I just I appreciate you going pretty deep into that because I know that sometimes can be a big black hole for a lot of women who are trying to like get themselves started and get themselves up and going. So yeah, I just had this conversation yesterday with a woman who I've known for a long time. She's she thought she would go back and start her own consulting business, and I just went down the list. Are you willing to do these five things? Are you you know what are you where are you willing to cave? Where do you you know? And she had not thought it all through. Right. Wow. And I said, you know, until you are sure, until you know that your what you're offering is a you know is something that a 19 other people can't do, and that your network isn't better than all those 19 other people, right. don't do it. Stay with your job. Mm. You know, you if you're going to start a company, you have to do that. You have to double time yourself for a while. Yep. You know, unless you're in the situation that I was in, which was making my husband making me go back to work because I was driving him crazy. But. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, so uh, one of the things I definitely want to ask you about is leadership. You have had experience in the past, obviously, under other companies, really being the leader and being uh, managing people. 
you now within your own business, um, you know, manage 33 other people. What what sig- most significant lesson has stuck with you? And I'm assuming you have probably learned it the hard way about <laughs> how to successfully manage and lead and make sure that your team is doing what it's supposed to do in the manner that is true to your company's vision. Like how, what have you learned there? I think the um, thing I've learned is that you can only lead people who choose to be led by you, right? You can, you know, everyone has a choice. Uh, even in a bad economy, people can decide not to show up if, if they don't, if they don't like your style, right. if they don't trust you. And the most important thing from leadership is to trust that, um, my people, and this is one of the most, um, it's humbling and it's the most proud thing for me personally as a leader. The most humbling thing is that people trust me. Mm. The most proud moment is when people stick with us and stick with me in the company when we hit a rough patch. Like we don't have very much turnover. People don't generally leave us. And even though it's a tough, you know, it's very competitive workplace, uh, work environment here in San Francisco because they trust that um, I'm going to figure it out. You know, and I tell them so. I mean, I say, you know, this is going to suck, guys. You know, (laughs) I get it. It's going to suck. This is hard. This is hard what we're trying to do. We're trying, you know, our whole business has turned upside down with social media. um, And we're going to figure it out. And we're going to be pushing, pushing, pushing. But if we don't get there, there is no job for us all. So um, Mm. we're going to get there. That's the, that's the, that's where we're going. We may not take exactly the, you know, the straight route getting there, but we have to get over here to make sure that we're all relevant in this business. And if we're not relevant, we don't have a business. If we don't have a business, well, we're all going home. So the the trust people have in me to sort of think future and then to find places for people is a humbling, humbling experience. And I think that I get that from being just really transparent about the situation, you know, um, I have very high expectations for my staff, um, which I share regularly. They know it. Um, at the same time, I have such high regard and respect for the people who work here that uh, I think those two things go hand in hand. And in the end, the most important thing for me is that people, when they leave here, because never, no one's ever going to stay with a company forever and ever, right? Right, right is that when they leave here that it is a point of pride that they put double forte on their on their resume um, that is what's most important to me because um, if you understand that people are leaving you right it needs to be you know um, if you understand people are going to leave you how do you make it so to such an impression on them that they always keep you top of mind wherever they go in their career so that's where I'm very much focused on um, but it's very much uh, ref reciprocity right if I give transparency I have high expectations they do a great job the company honors that great job we hit a rough patch we tell people what we're doing (laughs) you know it's um there's a lot of give and take there gotcha I love that now just this past year in 2014 you ended up launching a book called millennials in management Mm -hmm. and ended up sort of putting that under the the whole your brand name right so Mm -hmm. um and you're out there speaking you're doing keynote talks about it you are uh, presenting workshops for it talk a little bit about how that came about and why you really wanted to do that because you know like what you're doing with double forte is it definitely takes a lot of work so why mm-hmm. why did you choose to go in that direction with that specific niche and what has mm-hmm. it done for you so far well ultimately so i am 51 and <laughs> 
fabulous. 51 and fabulous. Yes. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, I've, uh, I, last year when I turned 50, I, I hired a business coach to who I've used in the past to help me really plan out like what has to happen for me to retire. Right. Mm. Um, and, uh, for a lot of reasons, which I'm happy to discuss, but I won't bore you with right the second, you know, I was like, okay, I'm, when I'm 60, I really want to be leaving double forte at 60. Well, um, but I want it to be a going concern. So how do you make it a going concern? You know, you have to make it all not about yourself, right? Because if it's all about you, then in, there's no value in the company past you. Right. So I have a plan to diversify our business, which I've already executing. I brought in somebody new who's who is also a hunter-gatherer, you know, gets the business, all that kind of stuff. And uh, sort of have a, have a plan for that. Um and then I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to work past 60. My younger son, like I said, has special needs. I'm not going to trust that the government's going to have enough money to take care of him. So I need to raise, you know, not only do I have to fund our own retirement, I have to fund my younger son's life. So it's clear that I'm going to have to work past 60. But in this business, 60, I mean, it is a tough, you know, it's just tough business to be in. Right. And um, not that every business isn't tough, but I just, you know, you don't see very many people after 60 being super relevant. And if you're not relevant, you don't have a business. And I just don't want, I want to leave like, you know, a good pitcher leaves baseball at the top of their game, you know? Mm. So, um, my plan was to diversify our income so that I could sort of spin whatever that income would be associated with me only off with me and take that with me when I, when I leave the company, hopefully sell it to people behind me is, is, it would be awesome. Right. right? But right. That's a while away. I'm not going to worry about that right now. Um, and I, I want, I did want to write a book. I, um, this is not the book that I will write next, which is the book I wanted to write first. But when I was talking to the publisher, my publisher, who is now my publisher, um, about something else, they, uh, we were talking about millennials and some of the issues that uh, she and some of her colleagues had with her younger staff. And I made suggestions based on my own experience. And basically, you know, I said, she said, well, you think that would be a good book? I'm like, well, yeah, no one really gets everything so negative out there yeah. about this topic. I mean, if it was going to be a book, man, I would want to be a really positive how-to book, you know. And she said, she looked at me and she said, I will publish that book. Oh, wow. And I was like, and I looked, I'm like, which book? <laughs> like that book about millennials. I'm like, I don't have a book. <laughs> so um, it was an extraordinary opportunity that came. I just sort of dropped in my lap and I felt like, oh, well, that doesn't happen very often. I should take that opportunity. I should share. What, I'm very happy to share with what I've learned the har very, very hard way, mm -hmm. um, which uh, that's what the book turned into. Um, and in the hopes that I'll be able to write the next book, which is really where um, – uh, it's sort of the next step in that book, but it, it's really where my loyal, my really where my loyalty and my um, my passion is around is in the next book. Gotcha. Although this is a very important topic to me. If you can't be, you know, a if you have no millennials in your business, you don't have a business. Yeah. I mean, you might close the door. Number one. Number two. There is no reason that we should all be like excuse me, but bitching about each other Seriously. just because we're different ages yeah. and we have to get over it because that's not changing anytime soon. Um, and my, my hope with my book was to show people that we all can give a little and get a lot out of it. And yep. it's pretty, the back half of the book is sort of step-by-step -step how to's that it's pretty easy to, to, to follow. That's awesome. Yeah. I, um, so I was telling you before about the Biz Women Rock group, which yeah. uh, on Facebook, great private exclusive community of all these great businesswomen 
many of whom are here listening right now. And it had to be about three months ago that I happened, I, uh, our local company, my husband and I's local company, brought in a woman who works for Pandora Radio and has a heck of a lot of stats specifically mm-hmm. about the habits of millennials. And so from mm-hmm. these stats, they've created this entire presentation about how to work with millennials. And exactly what you're talking about, very positive, and that's not the norm out there. Mm-mm. But it's very positive about what is their personality? What are their buying habits? What are their, uh, what's mm-hmm. important to them? How do you talk to them? And so we've brought her in a, a couple of times uh, to our local entrepreneurs just to, so that they could see if they're hiring millenni- millennials, if they're mm-hmm. if their clients are millennials, if they're looking for an exit strategy and possibly they're, they're the person taking over their business is a millennial. Like there's yeah. all these like here's practical things on how to do. So I right. literally did this quick little video with her and I was like, hey, t- do you know, tell us one tip. She gave this really great tip. I put it up on the group and I said, hey, ladies, are you guys interested in learning more about this? And I had like 20, 30 comments of like, yes, mm-hmm. yes, 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 yes. Please, please, please. Uh-huh. And it's so what you where you are in this niche is so relevant and so powerful right now. Yeah. Not only because it's just like, this quote unquote hot topic, but it's like really relevant to all of our businesses right now. Well, I think that the uh, and I think the positive you know, it is, and it's you know it's like if you Google millennials right now, you probably find a zillion things, right? Because it mm-hmm. just comes up every day in my Google alerts. But um, you know, and people are sort of got millennial mania more than anything else you know, <laughs> you know in the end it's just an age group right, right but right. um uh, and you know people act like you know intergenerational conflict is new you know right. i mean yeah I, come on my book starts with a quote from socrates which is 400 bc i mean this is before christ it's been going on for a long time people right <laughs> but we just forget you just forget that people didn't yeah. like us either you yeah. know <laughs> yeah yeah So, um, and a little different in the difference today is that we have four generations in the workplace and that workplaces are so flat. Mm. Um, so, I mean, a lot of things have changed, but, um, I was just determined to be positive about it. So I get a really, I've been very, it's, um, I was, you know, at, uh, doing a keynote with a group and I get up and I, people used to call my friends used to call me the millennial whisperer because you know, they would say, Lee, this is what they said. What do they mean? You know, I'm like, well, this is what they mean. Oh, you're the millennial whisperer. I'm like, I need a television show on, That's you know, hilarious. whatever the animal planet or whatever. <laughs> but now I really talk about it more as being a millennial champion because, you know, we are only going to have successful businesses if we have intergenerational businesses, mm-hmm. truly. Um, and, there's no reason we can't all learn from each other. So um, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a millennial when I started looking at it. Um, I was like, why am I having this problem with his younger staff? And I Googled it. And I'm like, oh, millennial. What the heck is that? <laughs> it, used to be, it used to be Gen Y, right? Yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden it was millennial. Like, you know, some marketing firm got in on that and changed the whole conversation. So I have to ask you this because what keeps coming up in my mind is that you, much like every other businesswoman that I know, have a lot on your plate, Um, which it sounds like you really need to have. Otherwise, you become Martha Stewart at your house. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I think it's more like a Pinterest fail more than (laughs) Martha Stewart. (laughs) Uh, Whatever Uh. it is. 
Um, you know, you've got a lot on your plate. And not only are are you currently running, even though you might not necessarily be in the exact same role that you were a couple of years ago, but you're currently still running a pretty yeah. decent, huge business. I mean, you're you're running Double Forte. Now you've spawned off and you, you know, wrote this book. You've got this whole new business concept and and whole new brand kind of going out there. You have two kids. You have you're you're married. I mean, like you I you know, I was reading your site. Like you're very involved in the community. How mm-hmm. what have you found that works? I'm I'm not going to use the word balance. What have you yeah. found that works to help you manage all of this and to make you feel like you're not drowning every day of the week? Mhm. Um, well, there's a pill I take, don't. No, <laughs> Um, <laughs> By the way, this is a good time uh, to mention our sponsor. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, what? my gosh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, we'll do a Kim Kardashian on you. Anyway, so um what I have found, so first of all, I have given up on balance. And so as soon as I gave up on the idea of balance, I became balanced. It was crazy. Um and I more pushed my focus on what matters to me. Um and thinking about like so I'll give you an example. So I'm asked, I'm on a, a few boards, uh, you know, board of trustees or board of directors of different organizations around the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, and I've only said yes to the ones that I, I think are doing a good job and where I can make a difference, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I really, um, when I was going through my coaching process last year, I sort of said, I need, where's my focus going to be? And if it doesn't help my family or it doesn't help my business, I'm not going to do it. Mm. So those are the first two filters. So I streamlined. Um, I came off of a couple boards. I went on another one, but um, I came off of a couple boards that were very nice, great people doing great things in the world. But they were not going to help my business. It wasn't a passion of point of mine. They were not going to help my family, um, and my work with them was not going to help my family. And so if I'm going to spend time, it's going to help my family or it's going to help my business. And I uh, got very. Um, focused on that very quickly. And that is my first filter. My next filter was, you know, so for my family, what do we need for my family to be healthy? Um, and I have one son who's 17. He's, he actually goes to boarding school for music and he's going to be applying to college. Can't even believe it cool. this fall. And my younger son is home. He's he just started a ninth, in ninth grade in high school. Um, and so, and my husband who works half time and is the chief home officer um, and a blind cat, but I don't really pay attention to the blind cat because he can't see me. Anyway, so um, we, you know, my husband and I had this gone, what makes us healthy family? What makes us healthy? Well, one, I have to take care of myself. If I don't take care of myself, then I can't take care of my family. If I don't take care of myself, I can't take care of my business. So um, this was a revelation to me. Like I hadn't really thought of it that way, right, um, at all. Um, And in fact, when uh, two years ago I had surgery, I had surgery that I'd put off for years because I didn't have to have it. It was just, you know, but it was good to have it, but I didn't have to have it. It was going to take me out for six weeks. And um, my doctor, when I woke up, she said, you were so much sicker than we thought um, because I had just powered through it, right? I was just powered through it. And I took, I mean, basically, well, since we're all ladies here, I had a hysterectomy Mm -hmm. and um, they were, you know, I was just so much sicker than they thought I was. I was so anemic, all these things. And like most women and, you know, the women, uh, my doctor said, like, what is with you working women? (laughs) 
what is with you people? You just drive yourselves into the ground. And uh, I had absolutely done that. And so coming out of that, I took the six weeks to recover. And then I actually took six weeks half time just so I wasn't like jumping right back in. And that's when I hired the coach and and I um, was like, okay, so how are we going to make these filters? And so if I don't take care of myself, my family fails. If I don't take care of myself, my business fails. So we just sort of made these lists of like, how do you, you know, how do you take care of yourself? So I created some groups that I see once a month. Um, and, you know, these very loose groups of ladies that I see once a month to have, you know, the friendship keep going where it's not about me, but it's about us as a group. Mm-hmm. I started, got, I got a personal trainer who now I don't have to use anymore because I know what to do. Um, and then it was, how do we make sure we have family time? And then on, on the business side, okay, what is the plan? Because when I had a plan, I could execute against the plan except, as opposed to just showing up every day and just doing everything I knew, needed, no, I knew I needed to do. Right. Um, and, and then in the business, um, it also for me in the business was getting a personal assistant, an executive assistant who takes care of anything I need him to take care of. So it's personal and it's business right. and it's double forte business and it's Lee Carraher.com business. And it's also personal. Like today he re- returned some Zappos boxes for me, you know, like, <laughs> so, but when I recruited that person, it was, you need to know that you're going to know everything about me. And I had to give that up. I had to give mm. up my privacy so that he could actually do things for me. Um, and I, and I, um, that was hard. That was hard because I'm a doer. I just get shit. I just right. get stuff done, you know. Right, right. And for me to like even not book my own appointments anymore in general, um, to give that up because it was just easier if I just did it myself. But I now have someone do that for me, and that frees my brain up. I'm just t- trying to not clutter my brain with things I shouldn't have to do, mm. which I'm not good at, which takes me away from the things I should do, which I actually learned when I first started my business. When I first started my business, my mentor at the time. He has since died, told me, don't spend any time where you don't matter. Like, spend your time where you matter most. So, like, finance. I hate finance. I hate them. I mean, I can look at any spreadsheet. I know I can tell a story off a spreadsheet, but actually getting to a good spreadsheet, I just detest. So, I hired a controller, and I paid that controller seven months before I paid myself in my business. Wow. Because I was not going to spend the time. I need to spend the time fostering the relationships, building the business, building the services, not figuring out, you know, how many hours to bill and where were the expenses and coding everything on the Amex bill. Right, right. So, um I forgot that lesson over time, even though, he stayed with, you know, but I went back to that lesson, like, where should I spend my time? And once I figured out where I could spend my time, that really brought me into um, uh, clarity. I won't say balance, but clarity about, you know, prioritization. And if I was to tell you that I was 100% successful in it, I would be totally lying to you. But um, what it does do is help me um, reflect on a week I project a week, and the, how I project a week is almost never how the week happens, right? Of course. Of course. <laughs> so I, at the end of the week, I go back and I color code my week so I can see where my time actually went. And um, I, you know, I have a pie chart in my brain that says I want so much of green and so much of pink and so much of blue. And, right. and I look at the week and I go, oh, look, there wasn't enough yellow on this page. Mm. I have to double down on you. How am I going to make sure I double down on yellow next week because it just got away from me? Yep. So I've done, you know, sort of adapted a few things to help me um, move forward and not be just exhausted because I'm really not an exhausted person. I'm pretty energetic and um, I sleep. I sleep so much better now. I mean, all these things. But um 
if you don't take care of yourself, everything falls apart. Mm. And I, that's, I learned the very, very hard way. Wow. I think every single person can identify with that. Yeah, right? Every single person. Uh, you know, um, as we're talking right now, I'm about eight months pregnant. And that was something that immediately when I got pregnant, I was like, okay, like there was just no other, there's no other option. Like, okay, right. I'm, I can't, I'm not staying up all night to do this. Like, there's just not that option. I'm not going to be doing that. So, oh, well, either I'm going to have to learn how to give it up to somebody else, or I'm going to have to learn about how to now have, you know, only have finished 20% of the things I needed to get done. And that needs to be okay. Yeah. Oh, well. (laughs) Well, as soon as your house doesn't need to be perfect, right? I mean, a lot of us have a lot of, and a lot of women I know have this perfect house syndrome where, you know, don't come over unless the house is perfect. Uh Well, well, then no one's visiting us. Yeah. That, they could have visited <laughs> your ha- us. Your house I'm... isn't so pretty now, is it? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I still have a, I still have a laundry system, but I don't get so, I don't get so irritated with the single socks. Oh, my but, gosh. But, um, oh, my gosh, no one could come to our house. I mean, we yeah. would have nobody. We would never see anybody. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Seriously. So, I said, you know, and if, frankly, if someone's coming to my, if I'm inviting to someone to my house who is going to be offended by, you know, yeah. maybe not having the towels, the, the guest towels hung up in the guest bathroom, mm-hmm. That person need not come over. <laughs> Truly, really. What am I doing with my Obviously, not your once a month girlfriend's group. You know. <laughs> I mean, seriously. We'll go to a restaurant. You can pay. That's I mean, <laughs> that is hilarious. Uh, well, Lee, I I can't thank you enough for just being here and being able to share some of your story and uh, some of your wisdom. Lots of really, really good practical things in here that I know anyone listening can really take and implement in their business. So, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I so enjoyed talking with you. I'm sorry. I just kept rambling. (laughs) That's a good (laughs) thing. And another thing. (laughs) You can find out more about Lee at bizwomenrock.com. Go ahead and just click on the interviews with the pros tab and you're going to find her there. She's just phenomenal. I had such a great time with her. If you couldn't tell, we were laughing it off like crazy. Um, Okay, so one by one, here are the major, major takeaways that I got from this that I know you probably, they clicked with you at the time. I just want to remind you about them. Number one, she made rules in the beginning before starting her company about what was important to them, what kind of clients they would take, where, you know, she talked about like their currency, like what was important, what, what would they spend their time doing and what was that worth? I thought that was really brilliant. Um, getting very clear on um, just very clear on what you really wanted, what you would put up with, what you wouldn't, who your ideal client is. That was just genius. Uh, creating an ideal customer list. Uh, you know, we definitely talk about that. Definitely people have mentioned that before, but I thought that was really brilliant. She had three different lists. Who are her ideal clients Who uh, that they would like love to have? Who are clients that would be good and then who were clients say they absolutely did not want? And how mind-blowing was it that she said, you know, after 13 years that the majority of their clients have come from like these 15 people and many of them were on that ideal clients list. So that was pretty awesome. Um, the leadership uh, nugget that she gave about really being transparent and, and owning that uh, gift that your team is giving you of the belief in you and that they trust you. That was a huge thing. Um, And then taking care of yourself first. This just really rounds it all out. Taking care of yourself first because if you can't take care of yourself, if you are not well, you will not have a business and your family will suffer and everything around you will suffer. And 
I'm just a huge proponent of that. And but it's hard for me, just like it is for everyone, because I'm a giver and I'm a helper and that's my natural state. So um, I just thought that that reminder was really brilliant. And the way in which she described it was just so like, yeah, of course, of course, I have to take care of myself. Right. So I hope that you can really take that and make sure you're taking care of yourself in your life because your business benefits, your family benefits, everything else in your life benefits from that. Oh, man, I had such a great time with her. I hope you did, too. Hope you got a lot of really great stuff. Um, So thank you so much for being here. You're awesome. I'll see you on the next show. 